Hey, welcome to Coffee in Space, where we have conversation about the science fiction characters we love and the journeys they take. I'm Dan Smith, your host. Today, I have a guest who knows all about loving characters in the books she reads and also understands a big part of the financial story, the business story behind those books and the books uh, the books that the characters appear in. Nikki Manbeck is a publisher, newspaper editor, bookstore owner in Baldwin City, Kansas. Her independent bookstore is called The Nook, and I followed her story her store story for some time now. It's quite a story in and of itself. It's it's almost, well, someone ought to put it in a book and maybe you're already working on that. I don't know, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks for having Coffee and Space with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you came super prepared today, came with your notes, very grateful. It's always good to have someone on who wants to, who, who wants to be, you know, super prepared to talk. And maybe most importantly, you came with your coffee. How do you take your coffee? With rum chata in it. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What uh, that it's uh, similar to Bailey's with okay. alcohol in oh, it. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're having a good time today. Then that's good. Yeah. So I don't. I wish. Now I'm interested. I will have to look into that. But I'm uh, I'm a cream and sugar kind of guy. Actually, I'll be completely frank with you. Today I'm drinking an instant Maxwell House blend with uh, I don't know some kind of creamer in it. But now, why on earth? Does someone in a small town in Kansas decide, I want to open a bookstore? Well, I had a plan. Uh, I have been in the publishing field for quite some time now. And uh, I had this full circle plan that I wanted to uh, start my own publishing house. Then I wanted to open up a bindery where I could print my own books. And then I wanted to open a bookstore where we could display them and sell the books. So that was the idea uh, when I originally started. I kind of did things a little backwards. I don't have a bindery. Uh, we're not doing that yet. But I I let the town, the small little town that I live in, I let them know uh, that I wanted to open up a bookstore. And this building, this 100-year-old building, came up for sale. And I just, I walked into it and I said, this is it. This is the bookstore. This is, I have to have this building. And so it happened a lot faster than I originally planned on it to happen. But that's you make things work. You make it work when it when the right uh, when the right, right building comes up. Yeah, that's awesome. I just got to I got to back up to the publisher part, and we'll link to the Imperium as well, the publishing company that you have. I think a lot of people, especially in the modern time, with KDP being so easy to get a hold of, it used to be Create Space, but now they kind of Amazon rolled it into one. Ingram Spark with Barnes and Noble. You know, you got print on demand capability in these big name publishers. Uh, and uh, and honestly, I think that's led to a glut of uh, second-rate uh, self-published books, to be honest with you. And and I've kind of been a part of that sometimes, I'll be honest. I published a couple of things uh, several years ago I shouldn't have done. They weren't ready. To say early on that you want your own bindery, you want to – like you're talking about actual publishing company. You're talking about like real outlay – you're not talking about uploading a file to Amazon and calling it your own. Um, no. So talk to me about like, for I guess, first of all, why? Why go the extra step, the extra very huge step and, and financial step of really making an actual publishing company? Well, I worked for other publishers before and um, I've worked... There's several different ways you can publish your book. And as we all know, there are companies out there that are called vanity, vanity publishers. Uh, it was the big hype before 
self-publishing became a thing. And those are companies that um, they don't actually really honestly care about your book. They have a sales team that's going to tell you exactly what you want to hear in order to get them in. Uh, I worked for them. Then I went to another publishing house and I worked for another uh, publishing house. I saw all the things that I wanted to do different, but no other publisher was doing that. Um, so I kind of, I don't know if I necessarily created a market, but it was there and there were very few of us that had a hybrid publishing company. And the whole goal of a hybrid publishing company is to get your book to the level of a traditional published book. So right now, as you know, the, the market is saturated with all these self-published books. I mean, I could, I could literally write a page that is just a bunch of numbers and letters and go on Amazon and call it a book and start selling it. So the idea is traditional publishers, it's very difficult for them to pick up your book right now. If you're a first time author, if you don't have a following, if you don't have all those criteria that you need to meet, they're not even going to look at you really. So a hybrid publisher, what I do is we're full service. We have different editors uh, on staff for the type of book. So I read every book that comes my way. I read it. If I like it, I'm going to offer you a proposal. And this is a custom proposal that says, this is what we want to do with your book. Now, the, the author does pay me to create this product for them. So that's my job is to create a product for them and give them advice on how to move to the next level. And we have had authors that have received contracts from traditional published, uh, traditional publishers, but, and that's the goal, whether they take it or not is up to them, but we're, we're giving you a product that is at the par of what a traditional publisher would do, uh, then we help you with advice on how to get more followers, um, how to build your brand. Sometimes we'll even make you a brand. Uh, so I, I wanted something like that where we took our time and not everyone likes that. I've lost contracts because I said I need at least six months to do this book and they wanted it out right then and there. That's not how that's not how it works. So we have three different editors. One is specific for children's books. Um, one is for novels. We have oh gosh, four, I think, illustrators on staff for a children's book, depending on what type of illustrations we need. Um, but we're full service from, from start to finish. We upload your book. Then after that, the author still owns 100% of the rights to their book and they get 100% of the profit of the book. My only job is to create that product for you. After that, the author is reaping the benefits of selling their book. Yeah, I got I got taken in. This is a, me being vulnerable. When I was, I wrote this, I wrote this little novella and uh, I was super proud of it. This is back in, I don't know, 2003 or four, probably. And I was just, I was excited. And I sent it to a company and I guess I'll keep their name out of it for now. But but anyone can ask me if you don't already know. And uh, and they sent me an email back. And you talk about saying what an author wants to hear. We would love to give this book the opportunity it deserves. That was, that was, uh, that line is forever burned in my my brain. That book wasn't ready. It would never have been accepted by a traditional publisher. But I I wish that the concept wouldn't have been wasted on a vanity press because yeah. you know that one's done. Now I've written things since then and and things that I'm proud of, but but I I feel sick that there are organizations out there preying on authors, particularly new authors who don't know any better. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you don't do that. Um, 
Okay, so Imperium exists. That's the that's the uh, the publishing company. And then so we skipped the bindery to go to the Nook because the Nook became available, or the yeah. the the home that would become the Nook became available. So how long has it been in business? We just celebrated three years, and I remember when I saw this building. It sat empty for thirty years at least. And I remember when I walked into this, I could envision everything I wanted to see. My husband walked in and he was like, what are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) This place was falling apart. We had to put in a lot of money to, uh, we gutted it out to the bottom. We laid the flooring. Um, We put in drop ceiling because we couldn't repair the ceiling well enough. Uh, But it was, I mean, it gives it charm. We had to build the, the bookcases inside the building because nothing in this building is symmetrical. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Uh, we had to match them to the flooring. That might be a little cricket. Yep. 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 Yeah. Don't spill something. It's going to travel all the way across the floor. Right. <laughs> yeah. I took my daughter out driving a couple of days ago. She's working on her license and, and we stopped off to get coffee and hot chocolate. And, uh, at a place that had been turned into a little cafe from a, from a house. And it's just, there's a certain charm that gets added to a place when it's not a, a, a warehouse sized building with a bunch of books in it. So, um, so that's really neat. So uh, three years now, how do you pick, cause they're not just Imperium books, right? How do you pick what books get uh, displayed in your store? Uh, that's funny because when I first opened the store up, I said, well, I can't fill it up with just stuff I like to read. Now I like to read a lot of different uh, genres, but I had to do market research and any smart business owner knows that they need to go and out, go out and do market research. What is your community reading? What is your, um, so not, not only just what is my community reading? I stay on top of Goodreads. I'm on Goodreads all the time. So I watch their polls. I watch what other people are um, recommending. I use, I use five or six different, um, yeah, it's probably five or six different uh, distributors who provide books to me and I follow them to see, you know, you can see what's, what's popular in other bookstores. And then of course I follow all the social media of other bookstores. I see what they're reading, what they're recommend recommending. So I'm on my computer all the time, just searching up cool books. Um, we do custom order. So people can call me up and they can request a book and I'll order that for them. And I take that into consideration. So I've got a list of things that our community or someone um, outside of our community would, would be purchasing. And then I stock it in the store. Anybody ever walk in and say, Hey, I want you to carry this for me. Do you ever do it? Like anyone from the street? All the time. Yeah. Um, I get that quite often. I am a member of the American Booksellers Association and part of my membership If you're an author, which I do recommend, so if any authors are out there um, listening to this, you one of your tools to use to get your book out there is becoming a member of the American Booksellers Association. Then you have access to all the bookstores that are members of the American Booksellers Association. So um, I do have multiple, I get multiple phone calls from authors. I am more of a personal person. If you call me on the phone, I'm not going to carry your book. I'll look at it. And if, if I read it, then I'll put it in the store, but also self-published authors can also be part of the American booksellers. So it's difficult to determine which ones. And I usually ask, that's usually my first question. Where'd you get your book published? Um, 
if it was a self-published author, I say, well, I need to look at your book first and I'll look at their book and I'll review it because I have, I made the mistake at the beginning, just carrying all the books that the people brought me and they're still sitting on my shelf three years later. So now I review everything and that's probably the last, I mean, I learned that lesson the first year. So the last two years, if they bring me their book, if I read it, a lot of authors will give me a copy of it, a personal copy for myself to read. And then I do carry, so I do have a lot of self-published books that are uh, up to par that I put in the store. The other option that I offer to people, and this just happened yesterday, a gentleman walked in and, and he has this book and he showed it to me and I could clearly tell right off the bat that it was self-published. So I offered him because he is a local author, I offered him on a consignment basis. I said, bring me two copies, we'll put it on the shelf. If it starts to sell, then I'll order more copies myself. If it doesn't, you can take the two copies back and maybe talk about publishing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a great idea, though. And, a, and it's still a way to support um, local authors or any author that comes in. I think that's really mm -hmm. cool. Um, OK, so that's that's really neat, too. Um, what genres like do you carry just kind of a mixture of everything or do you focus on a certain subset of genres that are out there? We carry everything because no one person is alike. Um, we also have, so we are a new and used bookstore. So we have this book buyback program where I'll buy books back and give them store credit. And we have an entire wall of just used books. Um, but we have everything from self-help, faith, general fiction, sci-fi, history. Um, I have a pet section. I have a Kansas section. Everybody should have a Kansas section for my money. That's what I say. It's actually my best selling shelf right now. Oh, that's interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. Like people, so if you're a bookstore owner in a, I mean, this isn't my local section. This is just books about Kansas, birds of Kansas. I've got Kansas City Chiefs books. Uh, um, oh my gosh, the top selling is ghost towns, ghost towns in Kansas. Everyone loves that. Uh, so if you're a bookstore owner outside of here, I highly recommend putting one that are books specific to your state. And I think it's neat to highlight the fact that you are actually a business. You're not doing this just for funsies. Although I'm sure there's a part of that, but, but you do have to move books. Um, right. and, and, and there is a reality there. You know, we decry the, the big publishers and the, the big bookstore chains, the, the few that are still around. But the fact is you can't stay in business if, if you don't have books coming off the shelf just as fast as you're putting them back on the shelf. And so, mm -hmm. so that's a, that is a reality. Um, there's a bookstore, sci-fi bookstore, sci-fi fantasy bookstore in San Diego called Mysterious Galaxy that I used to frequent quite a bit when I lived there. And they, the owners were retiring from the business and no one wanted to take over the store for a while. And so we thought we were losing that indie bookstore because the reality was, you know, you, especially in a city like San Diego, that's so expensive. You have to be able to make the the finances work to, especially at the indie level, where you don't have a corporate giant helping you out through a rough patch, you know. So, so I think it's important for the listeners, especially maybe of the genres that happen to usually listen to, to my show. It is important that if you want to, you can't just say you support indies. You have to actually go support indies. You have to buy your books from indie bookstores, and that's actually why. Um, I'm going to get links from Nikki for the next several authors that are coming on and we're going to, um, you know, I'm going to support her and, uh, and the nook through that. And in fact, she just reviewed Sun Yi Dean's 
the book eaters um, on uh, on her Facebook, and I assume Goodreads. Uh, Sunny, everyone remembers, has been on the show a couple of times. So I'm going to retroactively put that link in uh, because Sunny gets downloads every now and then still as people learn more about her. So so if you want to support right now an indie bookstore, go back to the episode with Sunny Dean and buy her book through the nook. What are some of the general struggles? And maybe we've already clarified, uh, clarified a couple of them just by talking about money. But what are some of the struggles of a independent bookstore owner? Well, our situation was a little unique, um, but I know other bookstores go through the same thing that we uh, went through, but we opened in October of 2019. And then five months later, COVID shut us down. And because we are a bookstore with a full service bar, which uh, we can talk about that later, that uh, wasn't part of the original plan of me opening this up, but this building um, was a, 30 years ago, it was a pharmacy and they had a, a, a soda fountain and you got to take advantage of a soda fountain. Yeah. So I didn't know what to do with it. And I said, what am I going to do with this? This machine, you know, it, it doesn't, I didn't know if it worked anymore. Um, but I've got this, you know, nice tabletop that has a built-in bar. And I said, well, what goes with books, wine, whiskey, True. beer. <laughs> yep. So it, that's what, that's how that became, um, part of it. But, uh, so COVID shut us down five months after we opened and we didn't really qualify for a lot of the um, forgivable loans or things like that. We were able to get some money from a forgivable loan, but because we didn't have a revenue stream to show, uh, we didn't get enough money to even cover one month of bills. So that happened. We also did, we received a James Pat Patterson grant. So that was really awesome. That's cool. Um, I love following James Patterson. He's a great person. I've never met him in person, um, but you know, his books are amazing. Yeah. Um, so we received that and then we just hustled. I came in here every single day and I posted something on social media and I said, I'll deliver it right to your doorstep. And that's what I did all day long. And I would sell, you know, five books a day and at least it covered our bills and I wasn't having to pay payroll or anything like that. So, um, we were able to survive basically just five months after opening, which is almost unheard of anywhere else, but we have a great community. So that happened. We survived it. We survived a year. Um, anyone who owns a bookstore knows, you know, what your biggest expenses are and it's the building you're in. It's the payroll that you do. So I actually built that into my five-year business plan that I would work this bookstore and not, not pay myself. Because as the owner, you are the last person to get paid. I haven't taken a paycheck. I haven't taken any money out of this place in the three years that we've been here. But I also get to sit here during the day and work on Empyrean Publishing, which is where I, I do make an income. And I've got a very supportive husband who um, who is okay with me working 40 hours a week and not <laughs> getting paid. <laughs> I think he's okay with good, it. Good fella. Yeah. And... So that, that, but that was part of my business plan. I, and I'm new to being a business retail store owner. I had no idea when I opened this place up what to expect. So I probably did more research than you could get in a four-year college degree, but that was one of them. I don't take a paycheck. So fast forward, we survived a year and a half, you know, we're covering our bills. We're able to restock. Everything's going fine. Then January of this last year, of the year we're in right now, 2022, 20, um, 
January hits. We had a good year. I had money put away in a savings account. Um, and I, I'm very open with my finances. I put $10,000 in our savings account. And that's what it takes to run this place every month, um, including restocking inventory, paying the, you know, paying the rent, the um, payroll, uh, keeping the lights on, that kind of thing. And as most of you know, books, we get a 40% discount. So every book that I sell, I get 40% of that. But 30% of that is already gone with your payroll, your rent, um, your utilities. And so 10% of that is about what we profit every day. So if we don't hit a certain goal each day, then we're dipping into it. So January of this last year, if everyone remembers how high gas prices went, how high food went, um, inflation just skyrocketed. And people, when that happens, people stop recreational spending. And I can't blame them. I stopped too. You know, we stopped going out to eat because we needed to save some money. So in four months, we uh, we lost all of our savings account because I kept pulling from savings account to cover our bills. And it got to the point where May rolled around and we were out of money and I could not pay rent. I just couldn't couldn't pay that month's mortgage payment. And I didn't know what to do. And I cried over it. I sit on the chamber board of directors and I went in there as a 40 year old woman, I went in there and I just bawled my eyes out and I said, I don't know how to keep this place running. Like I feel like a failure. And my only option was to close the doors because we couldn't put any more money into it. Um, we had already invested, you know, everything that we could. I can't force people in the door to buy books. I didn't want to tell anyone um, prior to this happening, I didn't want to let my community know that, hey, we're not making enough money, come in and spend. Because <laughs> um, to me, that just, I don't know, didn't feel right. I have well, a different it's stance not, on it's that not now. Gonna, well, I mean, it's probably not sustainable if you don't have a good, like you can get people like, you know, beg and borrow to get people in for a little while. But unless you're getting something to keep them coming back, it's still not going to work long term. So. Correct. Yeah. So you got to be able to back that up. Yes. And I think, I think I was, I think I was embarrassed and um, a combination of just a few things that I just, I sat down, I told the, you know, the people on the board, I told the people that it would affect, I told my staff and I just said, guys, I, I've got to announce that we're closing, we're closing the doors. But I also didn't want to um, like spend hours on hours, you know, crying over this after I announced it. So uh, I announced it on a Wednesday and I made a social media post. I put a thing up on the door and I said, the nook is permanently closing at the end of this month. And then I shut my phone off and me and my husband and my kids, we went out of town <laughs> and I didn't, I just didn't want to deal with anything. I was already, I needed to deal with my own emotions of having to close something that I work so hard to open up. Um, which by the way, I did a lot of the work myself. I laid the flooring myself. And, you know, so it was, it was very emotional. It was like losing a piece of me. And when I came back, I came back on Sunday I turned my phone back on. I, um, looked at the, the post and in the time I was gone, our community went crazy in a good way. I had someone organize a save the nook Saturday while I was gone. And half the, I mean, I made more in that one day I, than I did the entire month of February. I had emails and messages saying, oh, I wish we would have known. If we would have known, we would have been in there. And someone put up a GoFundMe page, which covered half of our rent. 
So when I came back, I said, wow, you know, guys, I really appreciate this, but I don't want to give you false hope. What we've, what you guys have done here, the organization, like all this stuff that you have done will keep me open until July, but I, I can't make any promises. Like you, you, we've raised enough money to cover me through July, but I still don't have a backup. I still don't have anything after that. We can just cover our bills through July. Um, but uh, there was probably a handful of people that said, why didn't you tell us? And I'm telling, I, I told them the same thing I'm telling you. I was embarrassed. You know, no one wants to go say it. So, but now I do. Now my community wants to know. So I'm like, I'll be open with you. I'll tell you, hey guys, we're really not meeting our quota for the end of the month. Uh, got to come in here. Who's got those special orders? Who's got that birthday coming up that they need? Um, so that helped us. Then I was approached by a guy. Um, his name is Kelly Holder. And he came in here and he he came into the store with his wife and his kids. And he said, hey, um, have you ever thought about partnering with someone on the Nook? And I just kind of laughed at him. And I said, no, I don't work well with others. I'm very, um, if you know me and I'm very open, you know, I'm, I'm very organized, but I also, controlling is not the right word. I like things done my way because if I fail, it's on me, not because I let someone else do it. And so I, I, I said, no, I said, no. Uh, I don't think that's going to work out. And he said, just hear me out. Let me take you to lunch. Just hear me out. You'd like him. He should have, he should be on this show too. He really, he's a sci-fi guy. So we went out to lunch and he said, I'm not interested in a retail business, but I like you own three other companies all in the tech space. He says, I think you're lacking something very important to your business. And that is your online market. That is your website, which I didn't have. Um, that is, putting yourself on bookshop.org, which I didn't do, um, and being able to sell audiobooks and eBooks, which I didn't have. And he said, if we look at the numbers, I bet if we did all this stuff, we could actually get over that threshold that you need to start making money at, at the business. So I really took a liking to him and I was like, okay, you know, he's not trying to step on my toes, but he's also doing everything that I don't know anything about. I am not a tech person. So we decided to go ahead and go through with it. And we spent the next few months, um, you know, we had to change it from a LLC. Well, it's still an LLC, but we had to change it from 100% ownership to a shared ownership. And we did all that. Once we finalized that, which was in July, no one knew who he was. And it, at our three-year uh, celebration that we were open, we announced that this is the new partner. He invested in the company about what I invested in the company. When I opened this place up, we got it turned around. We added more stock to, to it. We added our online website, um, which is really cool because we can offer more on our online website than we actually have in the store. And it's been great ever since. So since then, since I, since the, I became more open with the community, when I took on a partner who could help me in the areas in which I lacked, um, we've been successful ever since. Yeah, it's such a cool turnaround story though, because I, I remember reading um I remember reading that post where you're you're like, I just don't think we can do this anymore. And um and I remember, you know, I mean, I was like, oh man, another one's you know not gonna make it. And and uh and I'm just glad that it worked out better. I mean, obviously I'm glad because you know, it it it's a good, it's good to have options, I think, in the book selling, book buying space. And so 
I know that I really enjoyed my indie store in San Diego. And I just think that having these small stores where the owner and the people at the front desk know you and, and probably can help. It's more than just like, oh, well, let me look up that book on the internet. No, it's like, oh no, if you like this one, let me show you the one that's on the shelf over here that you're going to like too. And so I just like that personal, personal touch. It's just really good. What has been the response from, well, clearly they wanted to keep it open because they organized their own, you know, GoFundMe and, and keep the store open, uh, drive, but um, but what has been the longer term, you know, you're talking about these six months since you got a partner. How has the area responded to that change? We have a university here in town. It's just right diagonal from the Nook. Um, we're right in downtown. Actually, our downtown is, a, is an L shape and it's two blocks. Um, you go down one, turn left, go down. That's our downtown. And I'm on one end of our downtown and our public library is on the other end of our downtown. We call each other where the book ends. <laughs> so That's awesome. uh, the, the library, um, they kind of, they started getting grant. Well, they continue to get grants, but all, not only was it just our citizens that came in here and started purchasing more, um, buying their birthday presents here, special ordering things, but companies such as the library, um, they will place an order with me, you know, two, three times a year because they received a grant for this particular book and they'll order it through me instead of getting it from where they order their books from. Our uh, school, our USD 348 um, Baldwin City School, the principal just came in here and placed, he, he's doing a study with his um, with his teachers and he bought all 30 books from me. That's awesome. Uh, so people are starting to realize and I don't know if maybe it just didn't click in their head because um, that could happen because it's so easy just to buy something on Amazon, but it didn't quite, they didn't quite understand that, Hey, I can special order something for you. So now the word's out. So we're doing really great there. And then with our online with Baker university being exactly diagonal from me, I've got a following of students that come in here and they do their homework. I offer free Wi-Fi for an entire town. Um, so if you need something, come in here and do it. we have the best Wi-Fi in town. Um, college, they'll come do their homework. They'll grab a coffee. They'll sit down with their friends. We have a, a lounge area in the back. I call it Central Perk because I made it look like the That's friends. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's got are the they are they too young to know what that means, or do I they? I ask get them it? every time. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen this show? <laughs> That's awesome. So um, they'll come back here. Well, now that those people who used to support me, but then when they leave college, you know, they go back home, they'll go somewhere else. Now they're able to purchase books online and still support our store from afar, which is something. And even, you know, even my family, my parents, they live here now, but they used to live in Texas and my mom and my sister, they're all really big readers, but they don't live here to buy the books. Now they can go online and buy the books from me and it's shipped right to their doorstep. So that was something new that um, helped us you know, increased revenue. We've talked business of books. Let's talk story because that's what we do here at the uh, at Coffee and Space. Give me your top three sci-fi recommendations right now. Okay. Well, my number one favorite of all time is Raven by M Melinda Hipple. Um, my other one, which uh, we sell quite a few of this in the store, but it's the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. 
And the third one, which um, I need to actually go in there and change my review a little bit, uh, is Sunny D's book, Book Eaters. When I first read that book, I I had so many unanswered questions. Now, I couldn't talk much about it because that is our book club book. We're meeting in February to discuss it. So I, I didn't want to give too much away uh, I gotcha. when I made re- my review. But the biggest problem that I had was I I wanted to know more. Like I needed to know what was going to happen. And I felt like it was left without with those unanswered questions. And then someone commented on my review and they said, well, I heard she was writing a sequel. And I'm like, oh, well, that's why. <laughs> so I'm hoping that she writes a sequel to give me the answers to those questions that I had. Like, what happened to her daughter? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sunny Dean, you've heard the gauntlet has been put down. You must now write a sequel. <laughs> uh, okay, so Raven by Melinda Hipple, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Vampires. Uh, and then Book Eaters by our own Sunny Dean. Okay, so I'm going to, so here's the deal. Uh, I've already told you that I'm going to backlink uh, Sunny's last episode with us here at Coffee and Space with with the Nooks link. Um, and I'm going to put here. So, look, uh, listeners, right now, uh, let's support indie booksellers um, by uh, purchasing one of these stories here. So I'm going to the links are in the show notes and I'll put them on the uh, Coffee and Space page as well. So so take a look at that. Nikki, what an amazing story. Good job to you and your family for keeping book buying independent or keeping an independent option in the book buying space. And thank you for being on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me. I could talk books all day, so I'll come well, we'll back have anytime. to do it again. We'll have to do it every now and then uh, just to kind of chat books. It's really good. Folks, thanks for joining us today. Remember to tune in to Coffee and Space to get your book fix with an interview in each episode. Follow the show on your app of choice so that you get those episodes downloaded directly to your smart device. I'm Dan Smith, and I can't wait to join you next time over another cup of coffee in space. Mm -hmm.